Good evening. This is uh, Brother Nick Bailey. I want to welcome you to another live edition of the uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study broadcast on this Friday, November the 26th, 2021. Appreciate you uh, tuning in today. I hope you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And um, again, I wasn't able to come to you yesterday. Just uh, wanted to make sure I spent uh, the time with my family. But... Um, we're going to keep this thing going. Uh, it's so easy when you miss a day or so uh, for you to um, <clears throat> for it, for it, it causes it to be easier to miss the next day, and we don't want to do that. As we've been studying faith in and through the life of Abraham, one of the great heroes of faith, how we can be saved and justified by faith like Abraham. So uh, this is a song that I've loved for years. Uh, I hope it's a blessing to you tonight. I want to trust him tonight, and I'm sure you do as well. You pray for me tonight as I sing. Trust him tonight, church. I trust you because you've been so faithful to me. I 
I'm thankful that we can trust him, and I want to trust him, and I'm sure you do as well, because it's through our trust and confidence and faith being placed in him that our lives are found pleasing and acceptable unto his sight. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord tonight. Amen. And I'm sure you as well as myself, we want our lives to be found pleasing and acceptable in the sight of Jesus. Well, amen. I hope you enjoyed that song. As Just as the Lord gives us the opportunity, we will continue to include music from time to time in um, the Trumpet Series Bible Study uh, broadcast. Again, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Amen. I know... Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I ate and ate and ate some more. I ate three times yesterday, and I'm not talking about breakfast. Didn't start eating until lunch, but still had three large meals. So um, I was miserable. I was beyond miserable. Uh, by the time yesterday was over, hadn't eaten, I haven't eaten nearly as much today. But the day's not over. Lord willing, when I leave here, I'm going to go back up to my parents, mom and dad's house. Holly and the girls are already up there as they're having leftovers tonight. Boy, you can't beat Thanksgiving leftovers. Hallelujah. Some of that good um, 
ham, sweet ham, my goodness, dipped in pineapple sauce. And God, I tell you, it just doesn't get any better than that this side of heaven. So praise the Lord, we're going to have some ham and just going to clean up what's left over from what has been another wonderful Thanksgiving 2021. I also want to wish my wife a belated birthday. I did put a post out yesterday, so I didn't forget her birthday by no means, but Again, by way of the Trumpet Series broadcast, this is the first opportunity that I've, that I've had to wish her a happy birthday. I love her dearly, and she just continues to, to get uh, more and more beautiful as the years go by. So uh, anyway, um, a couple of uh, events I want to mention. I want to get right into to the subject of today's broadcast, but a couple of uh, other upcoming events I want to make mention of. Don't forget the first ever Voice of Hope Crusade that will occur on Saturday, January 29th, 5 o'clock p.m. at the Convention Center in Gatlinburg. Uh, Brother D.R. Harrison, Brother Greg Locke, Dr. Kevin Jessup, the Neelands of the Day, the Browders, and the Wilmington Celebration Choir will uh, be at that event. So again, uh, it, it won't be long. January the 29th, 5 o'clock p.m., the Convention Center in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, the first uh, the first ever Voice of Hope Crusade. So we're excited about that. Also, the calls, Brother Greg Lentz. Uh, many of you may uh, know Brother Greg Lentz as he's uh, uh, been faithful in leading the uh, Crusade choirs for uh, Dr. Ralph Sexton for many years. But Brother Greg Lentz also, and he's also. Uh, been the director of Hearts of, with Hands Ministries for several years now, but he is uh, director of the Calls Ministries, a, a ministry directed at reaching the young people of our generation for Jesus Christ. And I know our church has participated in several of the Calls uh, Winter Youth Rallies, but this is a Winter Youth Conference hosted brother, by Brother Greg Lentz, and it's going to take place on December the 27th through the 30th at the Venture of Faith Camp in Lake Park, Georgia. Again, in between Christmas and the New Year. If you're looking for something to uh, get involved in, there's going to be, a uh, again, uh, the Calls Winter Youth Conference uh, for, the, for the children, the teenagers. And it's going to be held, uh, again, December the 27th through the 30th at the Venture of Faith Camp in Lake Park, Georgia. Brother Greg Lentz, uh, Brother Chris Hazlett, Dr. Joe Arthur, um, Evangelist Heath Williams, and John Burt will be the guest preachers. Uh, amen. And they're going to have some great singing as well as uh, Brother Lentz always does a wonderful job with the youth choir and having special guests uh, to sing at those events. So remember these events. Again, the first ever Voice of Hope Crusade, January 29th uh, at 5 o'clock p.m. and then the Calls Winter Youth Conference, Brother Greg Lentz, December the 27th through the 30th at the Venture of Faith Camp in Lake Park, Georgia. Just by way of prayer request tonight, I want to continue to encourage you to remember the Oscar Ward family as uh, Brother Oscar passed away uh, the other day. They'll be holding those uh, funeral services tomorrow night. I want to encourage you to remember myself and uh, Brother Josh Cutchalls will be participating in that funeral service, so... Uh, pray that the Lord will, will use us to be a help and a blessing to that family. Uh, again, Miss Elizabeth, uh, Brother David, Miss Myra Ward, remember them in prayer. Also, uh, good news, Brother Rex Hobson was able to go home from the hospital and 
He got to spend Thanksgiving at home. So hallelujah, praise God for that. Also remember the Brenda Roberts, Brenda Roberts and her husband who's recently been diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Remember a young lady uh, uh, by the name of Charlotte, amen, that uh, uh, remember Charlotte in prayer as um, she's autistic, remember her. And then remember Cheryl Griggs, a uh, former member of our church and she uh, had shoulder surgery the other day and she's at home recovering. Remember Miss Cheryl in prayer. All right, let's pray, and we'll get right into uh, tonight's uh, Bible study. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to uh, have this program. Lord, I pray that today's study will be a help and a blessing to all of our viewers or listeners, whether they be viewing uh, on uh, Facebook or YouTube or listening on the uh, podcast forum. God, we just pray that your word might go out to be a help and a blessing to all that would partake in it. God, I pray that you would help me today as I uh, deliver your word, that you'd give me uh, ears to hear, eyes to see, a mouth to speak, and a heart to understand. God, I pray that you'd give me that unction, Father, that I need, that I wouldn't preach through the flesh, but through the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray that your word might get the job done, that it might be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we'd hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. Uh, God, honor your word. Exalt your son tonight to your humble servant. We're going to praise you for who you are and what you do. And God, I pray most of all, if there might be one that's uh, tuning in today, uh, watching or listening, uh, Lord, that's lost, I pray you'd convict them, enlighten them through the Holy Spirit of God. Draw them unto yourself. Save them before it's too late. We'll praise you for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. All right, so... Um, Lord willing, tonight we're going, that's one reason I wanted to make sure I got this broadcast in is because I wanted to finish up chapter number four. Again, we're going to do our best to finish up our study of chapter number four tonight. And hasn't it been a wonderful chapter as we've been uh, studying the example the Word of God provides us in and through the life of Abraham about what it means to be justified by faith. And uh, again, just... Uh, you know, the greatest of all examples of, of faith and how we're saved and we're declared righteous and we're justified in the sight of a holy God, uh, amen, we see that evidenced in and through the life of Abraham. But uh, the last time we met, it's been a couple of days, but we spent a large time, portion of our time talking about how important it is for we who are saved to be fully persuaded in our minds regarding the exceeding precious promises that God has given to us by way of His precious Word. And I'm thankful tonight for the promises of God. I want to stand on the promises tonight. And we mentioned that, how that one way or another we'll do one of two things. We'll either stagger over our circumstances or we'll be faithful in standing on the promises that God's given to us. And in our world today, what we need as much as we do anything else are some standards. Amen. I don't want to be a staggerer, uh, one who staggers and one who hesitates and one who delays. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. And one who, who allows my life and my faith to be shaken by the situations that so often unexpectedly come my way. Uh, I don't want to be a staggerer, but I want to be a stander. Somebody who's able to withstand the circumstances and someone who is able to weather the storms of life's trials until 
the promises God's made to us become a reality in our lives. And the question we ended up our life study with, I believe it was a, a, a study that take, took place even later than tonight's, and that is whether or not we who are saved are fully persuaded in our hearts, minds, and wills that what God has promised to us through His Word, He is able also to perform. And I just want to ask you tonight, those who are viewing and listening to the program, uh, are you fully persuaded in your heart, in your mind, and in your will that what God has promised to us through His Word, He is able also to perform? And one way or another, friend, when it comes to the truths of the Scripture, the promises of God, uh, amen, where there is a promise, there will eventually be a performance, amen. One thing you don't have to worry about is God keeping His end of the deal. Uh, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what God has promised, He will eventually, in one way or another, He's going to perform uh, the promise. He's going to bring it to pass. Uh, amen. I'm thankful that uh, what God promised one way or another in His way, in His time, uh, the way He draws it up, uh, He's going to bring it to pass. But if we're going to realize, receive, and obtain the promises that God's made to us, not only must we be willing to endure that limbo zone, and we talked about that gap, that distance, and that time lapse that exists between the giving out and the fulfillment of the promise. I'm talking about point A, from point A to point B. God makes the promise. That's point A. God performs. God fulfills the promise. Point B. But that doesn't always happen immediately or instantly. Many times there is a gap. There is a distance. There is a, a, a time lapse. There are some circumstances and there are some situations that arise in your life, whether it be a mountain, a wall, uh, an obstacle, a trial, a tragedy, a a problem, whatever it is that, that, that comes up suddenly and unexpectedly and out of the blue in between uh, point A, the giving out of the promise, and point B, the fulfilling uh, and the performing of the promise. And you've got to be able and willing to endure uh, the limbo zone. Amen. You must be fully persuaded in your mind, in your heart, and in your will that what the Lord our God has promised to us he is able also to perform in spite of uh, the circumstances, in spite of the limbo zone, in spite of the time lapse, the, the gap and the delay and the distance that, uh, that exists between point A and point B, the giving out of and the fulfilling of the promise. All right, tonight I'd like for us to conclude chapter number 4 by examining verses 22 through 25 in our text. Let's read these verses where the Bible says, And therefore it was imputed to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And again, if we are able to get through these verses, that will conclude our study of Romans chapter 4. Uh, first of all, let's notice an imputation. Uh, verse 22, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now here we find another reference back to what we've already pointed out. 
previously that the Word of God tells us where in Genesis 15, 6, the original account and record of Abraham being justified by faith in the Old Testament, the Bible says, Genesis 15, 6, and he, Abraham, or Abram, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And here the word counted is pretty much the same and the equivalent of the word imputed that is used in the New Testament in Romans 4.22, and it simply means to apply towards or to put into one's account. And this is not the first time we've discussed the doctrine of imputation in this study, as the word imputed is used multiple times during the early part of the chapter. And we use the illustration regarding how that one way or another, the spiritual accounts of our lives, they're not going to be empty. But when God the creditor goes and looks into the great ledger book of heaven on the day of judgment, he's going to find uh, something in those accounts. They will not be empty. He's either going to find uh, our account heaped full of a mountain load of sin debt that we've been accruing and accumulating over the course of our lives. And boy, I don't know about you, but when I think about my life, there sure has been a, a boatload and a mountain load and a heap uh, of sin debt that I have been accumulating and accruing. And boy, doesn't that sin debt add up over the course of time. And when uh, God, the great creditor, uh, uh, looks into the ledger book of heaven and, and considers uh, uh, my account, I hope to God that he doesn't find uh, a mountain load of sin debt. But that is possible uh, if by faith we've not trusted Jesus Christ. The other option is that he will look into that great ledger book and he's going to find the righteousness of Jesus and the blood of, uh, of his darling son that has been imputed or put towards uh, our account by the faith we placed in the transaction that took place on the old rugged cross of Calvary. Uh, and, and if you're watching or listening to today's broadcast, my prayer is that at some point in time, by faith you've allowed God to impute the righteousness and the blood of His darling Son into your account. Uh, amen. And, and, and in doing so, that great uh, mountain load and that great heap of sin that had been accruing and accumulating over the course of your life, it, that great mountain of sin has been removed. Amen. It makes me think about what Jesus said uh, in the New Testament. He said that if we have a, the faith as of a grain of mustard seed, we can remove mountains. A lot of times we misquote that and say that we can move mountains. No, my friend, when it comes to the greatest of all mountains in your life that needs to be removed, uh, I, that exist, I'm, I'm talking about that great mountain uh, load of sin, that dump tro truck of sin that you've just been piling up and that's been adding up uh, a little bit of time over the course of your life. And one way or another, if you're going to escape the, the punishment uh, uh, that, uh, that you deserve suffering throughout all eternity in the flames and the fires of a devil's hell, if you're going to escape that, then one way or another, that mountain load of sin debt, it's going to have to, it, it can't just be moved a little bit uh, further down the road. That's what happened through atonement, the covering or the pushing back, the covering up. But even though they, they covered it up for a little while until more sin piled up and until another sacrifice uh, and another offering had to be made, 
Uh, it was still there. It still existed. It had just been moved. But hallelujah, through redemption, uh, amen, through the offering up of God's Son as the ultimate, uh, the perfect sacrifice, the sinless Lamb of God that was slain and the blood that was shed on our behalf and for our sins, amen. Uh, not only can that mountain load and that great heap of sin uh, uh, that is against us and that stands in our account, not only can it be moved, but it can be removed. Amen. And, and so is fulfilled that uh, promise that Jesus made to us regarding faith. If we have just the faith as of a grain of mustard seed, we can remove mountains. Amen. And I pray that that mountain load of sin that is stacked against your life and and exist in your account because of all the sin you've committed and have been accruing and accumulating and adding up over the course of your life. I pray that by faith you've allowed God to remove that mountain. Amen. Praise God. So what will God, the master creditor, find when he examines heaven's ledger book on the day of judgment? Will he find a, a debt load of sin that have not been paid off, erased, or nullified? Or will he find the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of God's Son that's been applied towards and imputed into our account by the hyssop brush of faith? Amen. Just like in the Old Testament. Uh, amen. On, on, uh, at the Passover, uh, that uh, hyssop branch, uh, kind of like a paintbrush that we use, it was dipped down into the blood of those rams and goats that had been slain. Uh, and it was that hyssop branch was saturated the blood, with the blood of that, uh, uh, that innocent little lamb, and it was applied. The blood of that lamb was applied over the doorpost of God's people's homes uh, with that hyssop brush, with that, that paintbrush, so to speak. And that's the same thing that happens in our lives. Amen. When by faith we dip uh, the hyssop branch of faith and the paintbrush of faith, we dip it down into the blood of Jesus and we apply the blood of Christ, the blood of, of, of God's darling Son, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. We apply the blood of God's uh, Son under the doorpost of our hearts. And as a result, hallelujah, when God sees the blood, He'll pass over us. Amen. I stress that it's not enough. Listen to me tonight, friend. It's not enough for the debt to be paid and for the check to be written, but in order for God's payment for sin to be of any value to our lives, we must be willing to take it to the bank, take that payment to the bank, give it to the teller, and trust the Lord by faith to run the transaction and to insert and impute and apply the payment towards our account, just like when we uh, insert information, we type information out, on the keyboard, and we insert that information into the computer, uh, amen, like we use so many times in our day. That's what happens. We impute. We allow that transaction, that payment, that check that was written to us in red, in the red blood, the red ink of God's darling Son, that check must be imputed into our account. It must be applied the teller of the Holy Ghost must apply it unto our account and remove that mountain of sin debt that stood against us. Amen. All right, so now there's an exclusion, verse 23. Now, it was not written for his or Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him. Here Paul continues to stress and emphasize an important, a very important point that he'd been making 
over and over again throughout the chapter, that is, that the transaction that was made by faith on behalf of Abraham, it was not just for him only. And when God recognized Abraham's faith, and when he, the Lord, accounted unto him for righteousness, God had other people, other nations, and other families uh, of the world in mind as well, which goes back to the original promises we've studied regarding Abraham's seed. How that God promised the great patriarch of Israel, Abraham, that he, God, would make him, Abraham, to be the father of many nations. And how that the Lord would use the seed of Abraham, to, uh, which uh, not just was Isaac, but later on down the line became Jesus Christ, who was of the seed of Abraham. God would use Abraham's seed to cause all the families of the world to end up being blessed by it. And that includes you and includes me. Which again, can I say this tonight? I don't have any idea how in the world the Jewish people could have ever misunderstood those promises to be an exclusive offer uh, only to the Jews. From my point of view, it seems as if God made it very clear from the very beginning that He had a whole lot of other people besides Abraham's seed in mind, excuse me, uh, besides Abraham and the Jewish people in mind when He gave those promises to the father of the Hebrew nation. But for whatever reason, the Jews missed it. And for so long, they viewed their status before God to be one of exclusion, favoritism, elitism, and discrimination against other nations and peoples of the world. So throughout this first portion of the book of Romans, Paul has had to continually emphasize the fact that the God of the Bible indeed was no respecter of persons. And that he was not a God who viewed one kindred, one race, or one group of people as being over and above and superior to all the others and the rest. Hey, friend, aren't you glad tonight that when God made those promises to Abraham, and more importantly, when God imputed and accounted Abraham's faith to him for righteousness, he didn't just have Abraham or the Jews in mind, but he had many other groups and kinds and and, and Nations of people in mind as well. Hallelujah. I'm just thankful that he included me. Aren't you? Aren't you glad? Amen. That God's desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. And his desire is that all men be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now there's an occasion, verse number 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. Here, Paul stresses the amazing and wonderful fact that the same opportunity God gave Abraham to have the righteousness of God put towards his account and imputed unto his heart and life has been made available to us as well. And that the same offer that was given to the great patriarch of Israel and the father of the Hebrew nation has been given and afforded unto us also. And boy, I don't know about you tonight, but what a blessing it is to know that just as Abraham was able to have the righteousness of God imputed unto his own heart and life, so also you and I can have the same privilege as well, even though we don't deserve it and even though none of us are worthy of it. I don't deserve God's righteousness. Amen. My righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I have failed, I have fallen short of God's glory. And I've come up short, amen, as far as the level, uh, reaching the, the level and the standard that God 
uh, has required for my life in order to be declared righteous and the best that I can offer, amen, my own righteousness, the Bible refers to them in the book of Isaiah as they are as filthy rags. But hey, just as old father Abraham was declared and made righteous by faith, by the faith he placed in the promises of God that were made unto him, so also you and I can be declared and made righteous by that same method and by placing our hope, our faith, and our trust in God's promises as well. Amen. The ones that he's made to us through his own precious and holy word. We said this uh, a few broadcasts back, but Abraham didn't deserve to be saved any more than you and I do. Abraham, he was a good man. He was a great and a wonderful example, maybe the best example of all regarding what it means to have faith uh, as it is revealed to us in the entirety of God's Word. Amen. Nobody had faith like Abraham had. But yet Abraham was still a sinner. And as you study his life and as you examine his life, uh, it won't take you very long, just as if you were to examine my life or if I were to examine your life. It wouldn't, find, uh, it wouldn't take any of us very long at all to find evidence of sin in Abraham and all of our lives. None of us are worthy and none of us deserve uh, to be saved and especially to be declared righteous in the sight of God. Amen. But friend, I want to say to you tonight that even though we're undeserving and even though we're unworthy to be declared righteous in God's sight, I'm thankful that our God is no respecter of persons. And because in His sight, the Lord views us in the same light and with the same love as He did Father Abraham. Listen, friend, we are no different from Abraham. And the Lord is both willing and able to do for us just exactly what He did for the father of the Hebrew nation. And not only does that refer to the opportunity we have to be saved and to be justified and to be made righteous in God's sight, but also uh, to experience the favor and the blessings of God uh, in our lives after we've been saved as we uh, live by faith and not walk by sight. God can perform miracles in our lives as we live by faith after we've been saved the same way God performed miracles in old father Abraham's life. Hallelujah, praise God. Now there's a stipulation, verse 24. If we believe on Him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Here we find how that the opportunity we, we Gentiles have to enjoy the same blessing as Abraham possessed, to be able to obtain righteousness of God, it depends upon our willingness to make the, the same decision Abraham made. And that is to place our faith and our trust and our confidence uh, of our lives in the promises of God's Word. Again, it wasn't by works of righteousness. It wasn't because of his good deeds or his efforts. It's because Abraham chose to believe God. And because of that choice Abraham made to believe God, the Lord accounted unto him for righteousness. Friend, the only way any of us will ever be able to obtain or possess the righteousness of God in our lives is by placing our faith and trust in the promises that God has made to us uh, regarding salvation that is available through Jesus Christ. Amen. But unless we Gentile sinners are willing to exercise faith in the finished work of Christ as He suffered and died for our sins, 
on the old rugged cross of Calvary, we will not be able to find favor with God. And our lives will not be found pleasing and acceptable in His sight. As the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, For without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Friend, I'm telling you, the only way your life is ever going to be, uh, be able to put a big old smile on the face of your Heavenly Father, whether it be for salvation or for any other of life's blessings, it won't be because of anything you do, not because of your good works, not uh, by uh, merits of your he human efforts that you've made to please God. But friend, the only way your life will ever please God and the only way your life will ever find uh, favor in His sight is uh, by faith and as you choose to believe and trust God through the daily trials you face. Amen. Paul told the Philippian jailer, as is recorded in Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10.9-13 That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad tonight that you serve, that you have a whosoever will salvation? Bottom line, where there is no faith, there can be no righteousness obtained in the sight of a holy God. No faith, no righteousness. No faith, no justification. No faith, uh, no salvation. It's that simple. Now there's a substitution. Boy, I like this. Who was delivered for our offenses. Here we find another one of the great cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith which is the vicarious substitutionary death of our Savior on behalf of poor lost sinners. Amen. I'm talking tonight about the fact that when Jesus died, He didn't suffer for His own sins because in reality, He didn't commit any sin that needed to be died for. Aren't you thankful tonight that when Jesus died, He wasn't dying in His own place and for His own sin? Why? Because He didn't have any sin that needed to be died for. But Hebrews 7, 24 through 27, the Bible says, But this man, because he continueth ever. Aren't you thankful that your high priest continueth ever? He has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. I'm thankful he can save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. Seeing he ever liveth. Uh, to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy. I'm thankful he's holy. He's harmless. He's undefiled. He's separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. 1 Peter 2, 22, the Bible says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 1 Peter 1, 19, uh, Amen. We're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Friend, what caused Jesus to be an eligible and worthy sacrifice to suffer for sin and to die for us and on our behalf is the fact that Jesus was 100% sinless. He was absolutely and completely without sin. I'd go so far tonight to say I believe in the impeccability of our Savior. I don't believe he was even capable of committing sin. You say, preacher, if Jesus couldn't sin, then why was he tempted? Jesus was tempted not to determine whether or not he was sinless, but to prove, amen, to us that he was an eligible and he was a worthy uh, sacrifice, hallelujah, uh, to show us what he already knew and that in that Jesus was the Lamb of God that was worthy of taking away the sins of the world. Amen. That is the emphasis of our current point. The fact that when Jesus died, he didn't die for his own sins, but he died in our place and for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he the Father hath made him the Son to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of Christ, love of God, uh, because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Matthew 10.28 Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, amen, the iniquity of us all. Aren't you thankful that he didn't lay your sin on your shoulders? And you don't have, didn't have to bear that punishment on your back, amen. And you didn't have to be bruised or wounded for your own transgressions and for your own iniquity. But it's by his stripes you have been made whole. I'm telling you tonight, friend, uh, if the old rugged cross uh, of Christ is going to have any value or meaning to your life, you must be willing to recognize that when Jesus died, He wasn't just dying for the sins of the world, but He has been punished and put to death in your place, in your stead, on your behalf. And He was suffering for the sins you've uh, been guilty of committed, committing over the course of your life. Amen. I'm talking about that mountain load of sin that once stood in your account. Amen. Jesus died. Uh, amen. He carried that mountain load of sin, the weight of, and the heaviness of that uh, great mountain of sin. He carried it uh, on his own back and on his own soldiers' shoulders so you didn't have to bury it. So you didn't have to carry that weight uh, and the heaviness of that burden. Amen. And although Jesus is the one who died on that cross, the truth is it should have been you dying for your sins and it should have been you suffering the penalty uh, over your own sins if you've committed. But what a blessing it is to know that when Jesus died on that cross, not only were you and I on his mind, but the heaviness and the weight of that sin mountain that we've been accumulating and accruing and adding up over the course of our lives Amen. The burden of that sin fell heavily not on us, but on the shoulders and on the back of the one who was willing to suffer, bleed, and die for us. And on our behalf, I'm thankful, amen, 
that Jesus willingly and voluntarily suffered, bled, and died, not for his own sin, but for our sins. There's a resurrection. Verse 25, and was raised again. Here Paul does a masterful job of revealing how that as great, marvelous, and wonderful of a thing it was for the Lamb of God to suffer, bleed, and die in our place and for our sins. It wouldn't have been enough and it would have been insufficient if the Savior of all men wouldn't have been willing to take it a step further by overcoming the power of sin by way of His own bodily resurrection. You see, friend, through Christ's death, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin by willingly and voluntarily dying and suffering for us. But through His resurrection, Jesus took it one step further, honey, by overcoming, defeating, and putting an end to the power of sin itself. When He resurrected His own body, winning and securing the victory over our greatest enemy of all, death, hell, and the grave. Boy, what a miracle it was when Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. And boy, that ought to have uh, uh, convinced every atheist and unbeliever. Amen. But if that wasn't enough, He took it a step further after He died. And He didn't just swoon. He didn't just pass out. But Jesus died. And He was dead. There was no life in His body for three days and three nights. But friend, on that uh, uh, resurrection morn, Jesus proved the magnitude and the might of His uh, omnipotence and of His eternal power. Amen. By breathing life into His own body. And amen. Uh, hallelujah. Resurrecting His own body out of that cold, uh, lifeless tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So even though Jesus suffered, bled, and died on Calvary's cross as a payment, as a token, and as a ransom for our sins, if it all stopped and ended at the cross, God's plan of redemption would have failed, and we sinners would still be lost. Our faith would be vain, and we'd yet still be in our sins. But when He rose again from the dead on that glorious resurrection morning, Jesus demonstrated the full degree and the magnitude of His power by defeating and overcoming the great consequence of our sin, which is death. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death. Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That was the consequence. That was the penalty for sin. That is uh, the payment that we accumulated and what should have been uh, given to us as a payment for this mountain load of sin that's been adding up in our lives. Amen. But instead, God replaced uh, the payment of death with victory where in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, uh, the Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, we might summarize it all by saying that through Christ's death, He paid the debt and He paid the penalty for sin by dying in our place and suffering on our behalf and for our sins. But then, 
Through his own resurrection, Jesus won the victory over sin, proved the magnitude of his might and power in overseeing, and he fulfilled God's perfect plan for giving we sinners total, ultimate, and final deliverance so that we who believe can truly be saved from sin and be made righteous in the sight of a holy God. Amen. I'm thankful for the vicarious uh, substitutionary death of Jesus on Calvary's rugged cross. But I'm also thankful for the visible and the bodily resurrection. Amen. Because it wasn't enough for Jesus to pay the price for sin. He also had, uh, amen, to win the victory over sin by way of the power of His resurrection. Justification, verse 25, and we'll end with this tonight. For our justification, this points back to the great doctrine of justification that was introduced to us earlier in our study of chapter number 3 where we who placed our faith in the finished work of God's Son, amen, we can be confident and we can know that we have been justified and we have been declared righteous in God's eyes and in His sight. And even though we're all guilty and we all deserve to be punished, especially in light of all the sinful evidence that's stacked against us, amen, and has been brought before the throne of God by the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, yet still by faith that we've placed in the redemption plan of God's Son, we sinners can know that in God's sight we have been declared righteous and we've been justified just as if we've never sinned, not on the base of anything we've done for God, but on the basis of everything God's darling Son has done for us and on our behalf. Oh, friend, I don't know about you, but just like old Father Abraham, I'm glad tonight to report to you that I uh, have been justified by faith in the, the, the faith that I've placed in the promises of God's Word. Amen. Aren't you thankful that we're justified? Uh, we've been made righteous just as if we've never sinned, not by our works, not by our good deeds, not by our human efforts, amen, but by the faith that you and I have placed, uh, amen, in the finished work of Calvary that's been done for us uh, through the death of Christ and His resurrection. And because of that, we who are saved, we've all been made partakers of the faith of Abraham. We've all been made a part of Abraham's family, even though we're not Jews, but we're Gentiles in nature. Yet still, I'm a son of Abraham. Amen. I'm a part of the faith of Abraham. I'm a part of the family. Amen. Uh, I've been included. Amen. Uh, I've not been excluded. I've not been left out. Amen. But praise God. Amen. Uh, I'm thankful that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved tonight because of that. Even up until this very day, God is still in the process of fulfilling the original promises He made to Abraham when He told him that He would make him the father of many nations and that it would be through His seed that all the families of the world would be blessed. And when He gave Abraham that promise, He was including me. He was talking about you and He was talking about me. And I'm thankful that when I exercise faith in the promises of God's Word, just as Abraham placed his faith and his trust and his confidence in the promises God made to him, so also I can have access.
to the righteousness of God. And I can be justified and declared righteous just as if I've never sinned. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, the next time we meet on Monday, Lord willing, we'll start studying chapter number 5 in Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. Father in heaven, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for another uh, episode of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. Thank you, Father, God, that we can study these great truths of the Word of God. Amen. As are demonstrated and illustrated to us by Abraham's life, God. But I'm thankful that I'm no different than Abraham. And Father, I'm glad tonight that I've not been excluded from the family, but I am a part of, of the family of Abraham, and I've been made a partaker of the faith of Abraham. And Lord, when you see my life, uh, you view my life just as you do Father Abraham's, and he's no better than I am. And those Jews, uh, they're not on a, an elite or a special level that's greater than I am. But Father, you uh, see me just as if I've never sinned, just as if I'm righteous. I've been justified. I am being sanctified. And one of these days, I'm going to be glorified in your sight. And I praise you for that. I thank you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Have a great night. And God bless.